warmest of greetings to you and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Hello, I'm Helen. I'm a reception and year one teacher in a very small school um, near Milton Keynes. And hi, I'm Bex. I am a Stage 2 teacher in a two-form entry primary school in Cambridgeshire. And today we are exploring history and fire safety with this week's folktale from Ethiopia. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Distant Fire. On the website, you'll be able to stream a video of me telling the story for your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you can also get a copy as an ebook or paperback, illustrated by the hugely talented Heather Zeta Rose, download the full audiobook at any time, and even pick up some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Helen and Bex here. And, and in fact, we'll, we'll roll straight on from what we were last talking about. We were looking at um, a lot of fire because, um, I mean, this, this story is called The Distant Fire. There is fire in the story. And there was fire definitely in our science episode. Um, and Bex, you thought about uh, exploring um, fire from an historical perspective with ages 7 to 11? I did. I thought it'd be a really good project to get years three, four, five and six working together. So I thought it'd be really nice to explore like how fire has been used through the ages. So in in our school in year three, the children studied the Stone Age, the Bronze Age and the Iron Age. So getting mm. them to think about, OK, in that period of time in history that you've studied, how was fire used? Um, what benefits did it have? Um, so obviously they would have used it a lot more to cook their food on. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have used it to, um, particularly in the Bronze Age and the Iron Age, to make their weapons. Yeah. So to heat up heat the bronze and the iron to make uh, their weapons so just really thinking about in each of the time periods how's fire been used um, and why is it like why is it significant in that period of history and so obviously you've got the stone age iron age and the bronze age obviously we talk a lot about um war and um, mm-hmm. so we've got um how was fire used in the war uh, both world wars and um, then you can think about even bringing it up to um present day so how is fire used now mm-hmm. how is it used in the victorian times in the tudor times just think that'd be a really great um way to pull those uh children uh together and obviously if you can't um maybe do a presentation where all the children can be in the hall because you're still being careful due to the um, COVID, actually getting them to record their bit and maybe making something for your school website or to share with parents and carers just of how fire's been used through through the ages and making a like a film in in historical order from the earliest time period that you've looked at until present day i think that would be a uh, really really interesting oh, i'd, yeah. I'd yeah. enjoy that so you can just ask each each year group how's fire been used how was fire used in the periods of history that you've studied so far this year and get them to draw on the knowledge they've already got i really like that idea of a, of a sort of a whole school project that way and linking linking it to the story and working together like that yeah, how would the um, the younger years get involved in something like that, do you think, Helen? Well, something I quite like about teaching the early years is that you can pick and choose your topics quite well. <laughs> so there's not <laughs> so many prescribed areas of learning. So I'm actually looking at the Stone Age briefly, oh, or right. not briefly, but not in massive depth 
but I'm looking at the Stone Age next term with my reception in year one. So you could almost choose your period of time that you want yeah. to teach with reception in year one and, and link it that way. I mean, you could, could you also, um, with, with whichever year group you're working with, actually try to spend a day using fire in the way that they would have done in the period I'm probably not making a lot of sense here but no, think- you know you we, we were you you were t- talking in our last episode Helen about um the how to build a fire teaching them the basics of building a fire well once they've done that could they actually use it to cook or yeah. um, once they've done that if they're researching the Victorians could they use it to I don't know power a model railway or something I think that's a great idea I love the idea of spending a day especially in maybe turning out how tough the children are or in the cold and colder <laughs> time of year spending a day just using a fire outside mm. this is all we've got we've got to cook on it we've got to keep warm using it um what else can we use it for i think that's a really a really good link because then actually they get a little bit of insight into actually how life was harder in in many many ways life was harder in the past mm. when before we had all our mod mod cons and our eating where you just change the thermostat (laughs) (laughs) and and i guess getting them to try and start a fire using only what they would have the tools that they would have had in different time periods because obviously in the stone age it probably would have been related to putting like stones Mm. together like rubbing stones together to create fire and actually the difference that then that is now when we've just got a gas lighter that we or a match that we can just yeah. Um, so yeah. actually considering how fires, are, how you could start a fire over the ages, mm. what tools would you have? It would have obviously been more difficult the further in the past further we go. Back. I think matches go quite far back. They, they're probably, mm. um, uh, well, certainly 18th century, um, you, you would have had matches. But yeah, things like uh, uh, flick lighters and, and gas lighters, yeah, they, they wouldn't have been around until much more recently. So I've just Googled and um, 1827... John Walker invented the match. The 1827, match. was it that yes. late? Yeah. I, I could yeah. have sworn Records they were in the 1700s. Yeah, 80, first successful, it says. And that's that's three different yeah. sources, because I think that's important as a, histor- <laughs> in, <laughs> as a historical skill. <laughs> yeah. To make sure that they're not just... Does it say um, what type of match it is, though? That's the friction match. So there. Okay, because I know that for a long time, um, the the kinds of matches that they had would light off anything. So you could, you, it was the kind of match that you know you could a, a guy could stroke across his stubble and it would light. Um, <laughs> but they were actually really toxic. So um, the challenge became to invent a kind of match that would only strike on the side of the matchbook or the the match ah. packet, um, okay. rather than you know accidentally setting light next to another match in your pocket or something like that so we could even do the history of matches yes. and that's i'm i'm like really fascinated i <laughs> yes. want to know now so i just like so i think it that the match that we're talking about is the one that you said that was the challenge of making it probably only yes. light in a certain way right yeah. um but yeah we could do a history of matches and can they make a match light and on anything else other than the mm. like do a little bit link into our science investigations how to how to, how so, to make fire be great so if you've got any year sixes you can stroke it across their stubble <laughs> I, I mean some of them are so tall they're taller than me so um <laughs> they probably will be this would of course would come with many a risk assessment and healthy, assa- yes. healthy oh, yes. oh, yes. assessment um, <laughs> as we get children lighting fires all over the school yeah. um, <laughs> could you could yeah. you actually start looking at the the history of health and safety through this story because um, we, we have here a, a story in which no one's giving really much thought to the fact that Hakeem is setting up a fire on the side of a mountain. Or that, that Abel, a six-year-old, is 
climbing a mountain by himself oh, in yeah, the middle of the exactly. night. <laughs> yeah, climbing a mountain and and not With wearing no, no much. And, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, it is important, isn't it, to remind the children about being safe. And I guess there's been times in our in history where fires have come out of people not being safe and not using mm. fires correctly. Mm. So you can think of like the the riots that we had in um, London, the fire in it was at St Paul's Cathedral. Oh, there was a huge one, yes. There was a really mm. big fire there. Um, and obviously the Great Fire of London. Yeah. Like lots of times where fire hasn't been used properly. Mm. And then obviously we'll be in the next episode coming on to geography, but thinking about um, forest fires and mm. the, like, the devastating effects of fire as well as the positive effects of fire. But yeah, really important. And then teach children how, which they love learning, um, stop, drop and roll. Teaching yes. them what happens if they have an accident. They need to stop, drop yeah. and roll. Mm. We do that at Forest School every time we're going to have a have a fire there before we light the fire. The children have to remember how to stop, drop and roll. Okay. I think they'd love doing that whatever year group they're in, don't they? That stop, yes. drop and roll. Stop, drop and roll. You can't, <laughs> yeah. can't get wrong with stop, drop and roll. No, you can't. <laughs> Once you've uh, done your big history project between all of the, the different year groups then, Bex, um, you, you, you said there about how they might struggle to um, communicate if they're still doing the social distancing thing, but could, could they actually use the fire to communicate with each other as well, you know, either through light signals or, or smoke signals, although that's probably a risk one given what we've just been talking yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> well I, I was thinking about like um the history of communication linked into the story and also ah. thinking there's um a young man in my class who doesn't have um hearing parents so um has to oh. sign so i was thinking wow. all about the different forms of communication and how and when they were kind of invented and when mm. they were brought in so like and then we linking all the way back to our pshe on the very first session about um letters and receiving letters and the different ways to communicate yeah. so I was thinking it would be really nice to um, look at communicating through the ages. So if I was in this time period, how might I have been able to communicate? If I was in this time period, how might how's communication changed for me? So like taking yourself back as a, mm. a child in whatever age you are now and putting yourself into a different time period and saying, what was communication like? Because in my head, if I was Hakeem and my like um, friend was on the other mountain, I'd definitely be using smoke signals to mm -hmm. um, chat to them. But you'd need to agree those signals beforehand. So yes, they need to have had yes. a conversation like, what does it mean? And um, what's hello? And how's he going to respond? He can't, I mean, Hakeem can't see Abel at all, I presume, because he's not got a fire mm. on the next mountain. Um, but just thinking about smoke signals, about um, semaphore, about um, yep. uh, Morse codes. Pigeons. Sending a pigeon. Send pigeons. A pigeon. Or pi a, a, an eagle probably on a mountain. Yes. A, car a carrier eagle from one side, well, from one mountain to the other with messages. One of the things that I've that I learned about World War One was that pigeons were the most reliable form of messages. Oh. They, they got they carried the most messages in World War One. Just amazing. And wow. um, that's so really cool. Just thinking about actually that the use of pigeons, the use of Morse code, the mm. um the way uh, they used to use like ratter dogs as well that used to run in the trenches to give each yes. other messages. And um, <laughs> so just think about how how have we communicated through the ages and how's that affected how we communicate now. And is there any th ways that you would have liked to have communicated? And you can always do that whole um, tin can with the yeah. string. Tin can mm -hmm. with the string, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and which would link to science and the sound and the vibrations and how sound travels between like two people or two places. So just think it would be really great. And that could be a whole school project as well. Um, and yeah. drawing everybody in and giving each 
maybe giving each year group a time period and getting them to present it again and just to draw even if you can't be together just knowing that everybody's doing the same thing yeah i think the, the history of communication can actually also hold some surprises for children because i i often talk um in in schools when i i'm visiting for the first time about the importance of of storytelling in in human development and um i i try to get the children to think about whether it would have been possible to tell stories before people could actually talk um and a very common reaction to that is well of course you know they would have just used sign language so you then have to explain that actually sign language was developed long after other languages had developed you know we we had to learn to talk before we could start coming up with hand signals because the hand signals represent the words which we're using our tongues for um so yeah trying to put that sort of thing into an order that that's an important part of um historical research isn't it just yeah. getting the order of of developments correct yeah definitely and i think with um with our our children as well understanding that especially our little little ones our four or five year olds the yesterday is a long time ago for them mm -hmm. um so actually understanding what what a period of how long ago some things that we're talking about happened so getting helping them to understand that that sense of yes. how long ago things are when they barely remember what they did yesterday sometimes even in the last lesson oh, i used to find when i was in yes. reception or that morning you know yes so When's actually, lunchtime? Have we had lunch yet? You know, it's because you're talking food. about things that are like they've only been alive five years and probably <laughs> yeah. don't remember lots of it. And if they're only five, they've also had two interrupted years that have been mm. crazy yeah. for them. You've reminded me, of course, of all the parents I, I keep hearing about who talk about their children being absolutely baffled by a normal phone call because uh, you know they'll be on the phone and they'll pass their their phone um, to the child yes. and the child will look at it and go well I can't see them where are can't they see them. <laughs> yeah just a, just a phone call yeah or having to be plugged into a wall with a phone yeah not being able to yes. move mm -hmm. no you can't it's not a mobile phone this is like <laughs> this <laughs> is what you, and not even having a phone like some of the particularly further up the school thinking about communication and going back to our PSHE just thinking about actually the responsibility of having a phone and using it correctly um, for our older children, but just that sense of actually you wouldn't have had this had you only probably been a, a child of your age a, a few yeah. years ago. Yes. Access to mobile phones. And when they've got a better one than me, I do feel sad. Um, <laughs> Even just how how mobile phones have changed mm. just, in, just in 10 years. In the last, yeah. I think I, I, when I was moving house, actually, <laughs> I found um, the flip phones, little yeah. flip phones, oh, wow. that big, and I, I loved them. But I thought actually, even those, and that wasn't that long ago, no. everything's changed so quickly in terms of communication. Mm. Um, and of course, it wasn't a smartphone. So it was just, as you say, as you say, Bex, just talking on the phone. Mm. I still remember the ones that were like a brick that you then had to pull <laughs> the like, um, aerial out to what, even those, get a signal. The ones that were attached to suitcases with the power. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think it would be really interesting because I think children sometimes forget how much communication has changed where you yeah. would write an email or a text much more than you'd write someone a letter. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be fascinating to study it. And thank you, Helen, for sneaking in there um, about your recent house move, because it gives us a chance to um, let all of the listeners know the reason why there is a slight echo to Helen's voice <laughs> these two weeks is because, um, yeah, there, there is no unpacking in her spare room at the moment. Quite empty. <laughs> but cosy now? Yes. Yes. Nice, nice, cosy house. Good.
and hopefully warm soon if I can work out the heating system. <laughs> well, if not, then we've got plenty of science in our previous episode. <laughs> See which materials I can find to make myself a jumper from. <laughs> No, for the tin foil. I'll just wrap myself in tin foil. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be, I will be sorted. I'll send you a photo of that. That is all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, please let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can receive effective, lifelong and enjoyable learning. Tomorrow, Abel and Hakeem will help us teach geography. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! And we hope to hear your story soon.